0: We're a couple of weeks in now and the season is alive, so it's time for a classic. Welcome back to 5x5, Europe's biggest leagues, and our predictions for the season with a lot of head, a lot of heart, and hopefully some reason. The transfer window slammed shut, lots of deals, steals, and loans, while Steve Parrish asked the big question Who is Dean Jones? City kicked us off, bringing home the big man Erling, and Chelsea's new money ownership put their trust in Sterling. In Rome, La Gioia arrived, sparkling in the dark, while Galtier took the reigns over at the park. Campos at the tiller and new midfield secured but back at Nice, they grabbed themselves a Premier League hoard. United brought Ten Hagen and he wanted FDJ but Frankie was going nowhere. His radar set to stay. Arteta's collecting Gabbies In Jesus, he felt redeemed while Forrest bought, well, Everyone. Well, that's the way it seemed. Louis traded Bayern for Barcelona, with Mane taking his place, and many set to wondering if it could spark a title race. That wasn't all in Catalonia. Barca's hunger wasn't sated. Kunde, Rafinha, Kessie in as the levers were activated. Real Madrid went early and went big for Many. A young, brilliant number six? Now, they're not two a penny. Liverpool hoped that Darwin would aid their evolution, whilst the old Trafford is Brazilian flair that will lead their revolution. The homecoming started flowing, with Bibrom going back to Inter and Pogba returning to Juve hoping to end their trophyless winter and Werner returning to Leipzig where his fallen star did rise and Conte linked up with Peretic again to nobody's surprise. Dortmund bought new centre-backs and an old face in the hot seat while Milan went hard for CDK and the Belgian sparkling feet. Some big names went stateside. Insigne, Chiellini, bail on the move and Fiorentina bought Luka Jovic a man with a point to prove. There were storylines for everyone but as the dressing rooms were furnished the football began again not on paper but in earnest we saw shock pres- results and upsets as we struggle to know who was good, who was bad and who had simply started slow. But as negotiations have concluded and we've seen everyone play, it's time for our predictions to turn black and white from grey, who will make the top rungs of the ladders who this season will thrive. Let's get into this, Rank Squad. It's time for 5 by 5 Hello Ranks Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. This is your favourite football podcast back again for another week and back again for a classic. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and joining me is the Rank God, Mr. Sam Tai. How you doing mate? Who is Dean Jones? Who is Dean Jones? Well the big question is, who is Dean Jones? Dean Jones, can you answer this question? Well I am
2: Dean Jones so I can tell you that much. So hello, if you're listening to the first time just to find out.
0: I'm Dean Jones as well. Sam, are you Dean Jones? I am Dean Jones excellent it was um it was quite a day yesterday for you dj I it wasn't know.
2: actually It was a bigger day for you two i think i think you oh. two got i i, I don't know yeah. i don't know i like genuinely haven't even seen it like i'm not even joking like i don't know what went on i like well i'm not gonna go and other stuff going in, in my life that was like far more chaotic than than this but um yeah i mean you two seem to have a lot of fun uh, judging by other messages that i was getting in whatsapp that's the only way i've actually seen what, what's been going
0: on but um yeah a bit weird a bit weird. For anyone who hasn't seen this, basically the Crystal Palace chairman, Steve Parrish, decided that he figured out that Dean had, had a bigger network than MI5, like saying quotes, because he was giving transfer stories across the various platforms that Dean works for over the course of Deadline Day. And it sparked the hashtag who is Dean Jones, which has Seen a lot of fun. We've had guess who boards with with Dean's face on every single square. We've had the sign guy in New York City with Who is Dean Jones on his on his sign. Sam, well, we enjoyed ourselves at the very least. You ordered some T shirts. I do have T shirts (laughs) on the way. Yeah, (laughs) Who is Dean Jones? If you want a Who is Dean Jones T shirt, hit me up. (laughs) I'm selling them a huge profit and donate half the profits to the Who is Dean Jones Foundation, aka Dean's family, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it's change day.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it shows that Give Me Sports model was absolutely nailed. They've nailed it because that that is the idea of what they do. Like, I think the underlying story is that the media world has changed, and it's not about like this the newspapers and the obvious websites anymore, where you, where you get stories. And the fact that he's seen so many quotes with my name attributed to it. Basically, it's because I was extremely busy checking <laughs> transfer stories all summer, and that is at my actual job. So, like, in that sense, I guess I've done my job. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, it's quite funny. I don't, I don't really know what to say beyond it's that. It's very like, funny.
0: It was very amusing. It was very amusing. Um, some there was some there was good social media content surrounding it. So um, it's exciting and good that we got the answer cleared up. You are Dean Jones. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I am Dean Jones. Yeah. No, Dean, Dean Jones I hear is actually Dean Jones. In fact, maybe he was talking about that cricketer used to get sir, used to get <laughs> confused for. Well, he's or, dead. Um, well, yeah, but you remember the oh, amount of R.I.P. messages that Dean yeah. got the day that he died was uh, quite something. Yeah, I I spoke know, to my, him a few times. Goodness.
2: He was a decent bloke. Any other Dean Joneses out there? Do get in touch. Um, um, I know that there's one who I've had a few messages for him. He's a policeman somewhere. He's like There's a
0: yeah, there's a counsellor somewhere called a, DJ. Yeah, there's, yeah. a,
2: there's someone of some sort of profile who I've got a few messages for in the past um so hello to him if he's listening um <laughs> and to all other dean joneses <laughs> out there listening um yeah right. they're probably all in wales i don't know how many welsh listeners we have
0: well there you go we'll, we'll find, find out, out very shortly we'll find we'll out, out very shortly right uh, let's get on quickly to things we love before we do five by five because it's going to take up the main thrust of this podcast but i know you've got something sam and, and i've got a little story as well that i really really enjoyed this week
3: yeah, definitely. Got a thing I really, really love this week. Um, it's not based on professional football. It's based on amateur football. Because uh, I made my managerial bow on Saturday.
0: <laughs>
3: I, I, coached, I coached a nine-a-side team in a day-long tournament. I did it well done congratulations how did you get on we won okay, uh... <laughs> we won we took the trophy home and everyone got medals too it was absolutely awesome um i had a wicked time i mean i took it possibly arguably slightly too seriously um big whiteboard formation drawn out with the pens and the the magnetic counters on tactics drawn out how many players forward from corners uh, so not you know,
2: arguably, you definitely did.
3: Yeah, fine. Maybe I definitely did. We had a build-up shape sorted. We had goal kick routines. Um, I had pretty much everything sorted. Um, took stock on my personnel. Wanted to play a certain formation. Just couldn't do it. The, form, the, the the personnel just would not fit into it. So I, like all good managers, I am adaptable. Uh, I switched. I played a 3-4-1 formation because I had one centre-back who's absolutely massive and dominant in the air, but not too mobile. So I wanted to put him in the middle of a three and have two slightly more mobile players Uh, either side of him he dominated in the air the other two protected him on the flanks which was great the midfield four was a flat four they worked like absolute trojans brilliant I must admit I think I made my my lone striker's life pretty difficult he was working off real scraps here he didn't do too much but he he did the best with what he got Um, but proofs in the pudding we conceded one goal for the whole tournament which was a deflected shot from a long way out that the goalkeeper still managed to get something on but unfortunately spilled it over the line we lost that game 1-0 and then we met that team again in the final I made a tactical tweak. I deployed a player to Manmark, their best player, to take him out of the game. We managed to level the playing field and we did have to win on penalties, boys. But... You won on pens. We that's won the shootout. We that, won the shootout. That's a way
0: to win it, isn't it? I know, it? I know.
3: Absolutely incredible. We scored all of theirs, all of ours, sorry, and they missed uh, their final one. Our goalkeeper got like a leg to it and it sort of, sk- the ball skipped up and arced upwards and... You just couldn't quite tell. It was going up, 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 up and arcing back towards the crossbar. And it just dropped over the crossbar and landed on the top of the net. And that was two seconds there that felt like two hours as it was arcing over. And uh, that was it, man. That was it. And then what followed was celebrations, pandemonium, trophy lift, and a hell of a night out. Uh, Team meal, drinking pints out of the trophy. Our captain stumbling home with a lid on his head. All sorts of fun.
0: It does sound good. Sounds good. Uh, it's a I'm hell of a Saturday. I'm glad I'm glad that you won on your on your debut. Otherwise you might have never gone back to it. I know mean, I know you're a. Uh, oh it'd be a lying. fraud, wouldn't I? It'd be a fraud. Yeah. yeah, but now you can now you can carry on. And if anyone else wants Sam to manage them, probably within his local area, you'd imagine, then I uh, mm. think do get in touch with the podcast and we'll see what we can do. If you pay um, for flights and stuff, like I'm open to it. <laughs> <You're>, I'm <laughs> open to it. Here we go. Here we go. Um, okay, cool. I want to just talk very briefly about a really, really lovely story from this week, um, which was Jay Stansfield returning to Exeter City on loan. Now, before you wonder why I'm talking about a club in League One, taking a 19-year-old striker um, on loan. It, basically, Jay Stansfield, his dad played for uh, Exeter City as well, Adam Stansfield, and died um, of cancer at just 31 years old. And now uh, Exeter retired the number nine shirt for nine years uh, because, uh, you know, as a tribute to Adam Stansfield. And he's also got one of the stands at St. James's Park. They also share that stadium name. Um down at Exeter, named after him, uh, Jay Stansfield turned down a couple of Championship loans from um, you know going away from Fulham this year to go down to Exeter City. He's taken his dad's old number nine shirt and he made his debut on Saturday. Um, very, very emotional scenes um, wearing his wearing his dad's number. Um, the Exeter City fans still sing, sing a song for Stano, you know, pretty much every game. And um, yeah, the camera kind of cut to Jay at the end of the game and there's tears in his eyes and. It was all very, very emotional. I mean, I think he's going to have a wonderful season down there as well. He's a, he's a fantastic footballer and, and someone with a point to prove, but it's it's a really lovely story, I thought. I just wanted to bring it to people's attention um, because, you know, to go back and wear your dad's number at the club where, where Jay grew up, and um, then bought him off Exeter about four or five years ago. Um, and return, to return there and, and, and take that, I think was a, a big emotional moment for, for Jay and, and the whole family and the whole Exeter City fan base, I imagine. So, um, yeah, just a, a nice story from this week that I thought was... A, one to bring up in things we love before we get into the, the the kind of dark and dirty stuff of, of the five by five i thought it was one to, to lift spirits and uh yeah a, a nice thing
2: it's a good Lovely. player he's a really good player he's um you know what he'll be back at fulham before too long because uh, they'll need him at some point like the level that he's managed to reach so quickly at, at this age um but yeah if there's anywhere i'm happy to see him go out on loan
3: that is certainly the one hope it goes well yeah, I yeah. didn't know about the story uh, the, the, or the backstory. And I, at surface level, I found it really strange because obviously he started the derby against Brentford. Yeah, uh, I thought, oh, he starts the derby against Brentford. Okay, fine. In a bit of a pinch, you've signed some wingers, etc. Um, but to go down to League One, and then I obviously read into it a little bit and uh, it made it all make a lot more sense. And then it was... a. Uh, really nice really nice stuff uh, good to keep in touch with the real side of football isn't it with the the amateur football and the heartfelt stuff and the and the family connections before we launch into the top 5
0: teams in the top 5 leagues across the board huh yeah, I think so. I think so, but uh, but it has unfortunately come to that time in some ways after the break. Unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunately, absolutely. I'm I'm buzzing for this. I know you're not after what you did last season. Well, well, we'll talk about my record in this uh, in this game if you will later <laughs> a little bit later in the podcast, but um it is going to be very exciting, but it's, it's sad to sadly the heartfelt stuff behind is what I meant by unfortunate in in that regard. Uh, after the break, we are going to be moving into 5 by 5 where we predict the top 5 teams in each of Europe's top 5 leagues. It is a game that makes for a lot of fun a lot of discussion and in my case a lot of getting things wrong don't go anywhere Are you missing out on games you'd want to watch because they're not broadcast in your region? Well, let me introduce NordVPN. If you're in the UK, but you'd rather listen to commentary from our old pal Derek Ray, why not give something new a go? Using NordVPN and the click of a button, you can do just that. And the same goes for our US listeners who are desperate for those dulcet tones of Peter Drury or Martin Tyler. There's no need to travel to Japan if you want to watch the J League or Austria to keep an eye on the latest youngsters flying off the RB Salzburg pipeline when NordVPN. NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000-plus server options, no game is out of your reach. Using our link, nordvpn.com forward slash ranksfc, you can try it for a free month. And also, there's a huge discount on their two-year plan. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for 5 by 5 Before we get into this season's ones, should we have a little look back at the results from last year, Sam? I'm how, sure you want how to. How did it go? No, I don't want to, clearly. <laughs> but, you know, this is, this is how it has to be. Yeah, I don't I'll,
2: actually I'll, know the answer to this. I don't uh, remember us medicine. ever looking back, but I'm, I'm presuming you came last.
0: Yeah, obviously.
2: Yeah, yeah obviously. yeah, obviously.
0: Um, I had so Anger in the top five. Like, I, obviously did my you heart, actually? Yeah, my, my heart trumps my head every time, and therefore I get loads of stuff wrong. I love stories, too. I so. said
2: off-air, people that are listening to this, that I've never known somebody watch so much football and know so little about it <laughs> get so much wrong.
0: <laughs> I said, do you watch it like Taylor does with glazed eyes and just stare straight through the screen? Yeah, but they- put Roma at the top of the league, obviously, because I got excited about them. I put Anger in fifth because I thought they were going to be loads of fun. They didn't come fifth, clearly. Um yeah it just didn't go to plan look you
3: you do do the opposite of what i do guys so to to give you the 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 scores jack got a a score of 32 and i expect kind of explain how that that comes about in a minute jack got 32 our patrons um got 34 and dean and i we tied mate we got 40 each so we there is no there is no outright winner um i mean what's really on yeah no, yeah we it's, need a oh, what's really weird looking through the results and stuff and what happened obviously Jack got very carried away and put Roma to win Serie A which was obviously ridiculous um but Dean you actually got three three teams bang on in the correct positions in Liga. you got you got the most points out of any of us in France you're how many times do I need to tell you that I'm literally an expert of that league I know I, I, I know I, everything about I that to league. start believing it and Actually, we both got we both got really good scores on the Bundesliga as well. Um, I mean, that's not very hard. There's only five teams in it. But you've got you've got more in the Bundesliga and in France than you did in the Premier League. Premier League was quite hard last year, (laughs) (laughs) evidently. (laughs) But anyway, we've uh, we've tied. We've tied. So uh, we probably so we can't do that. So we'll
2: have right. Let's um, get a
0: tiebreaker in place. I've got one for you. Here it is. We're gonna go back. To last year's Icelandic second division. No. <laughs> and you're going to have to try and tell me who you think won the league. If you don't know any of the teams, I'm going to read out the top three in no particular order. You can have a guess. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, who, who gets to have the first guess? Well, do, do, can either of us name an Icelandic team? Yeah, if either of you can name an Icelandic team. I can do first. one.
3: Um, I don't know if they're in the
0: first. Hafnafjorda. They're not in the second division, sadly. They're too good. They're too good. Well, they weren't at least last last year. Weirdly, there's actually 20 games of this year's Icelandic second division gone already. This is the season before, which is kind of mad just because the way that the time works in Iceland.
3: Yeah. Well, we're gonna need some
2: uh,
0: yes uh, names. What about um, Icelandic Dust Cloud FC? Do they exist? <laughs> uh, no. Right. Okay. So Sam gets first pick. Then fantastic. Um, right. The three teams in no particular order are IBV, Fjölnir, and Fram. Uh, I'll take. Fjolnir. Dean? IBV. Well, neither of you (laughs) have (laughs) won. No! But, because Fram won the league by 11 points, I'll have you know. Um, But IBV did come above Fjolnir, so the win goes to the man of mystery himself, Dean Jones. Who is Dean
2: Jones? Who is Dean Jones? He is the governor when it comes to predictions, man. He's the 5x5
0: champion, that's
2: who he is, yeah. Steve Mm -hmm. Parrish wants to...
3: a bet over anything, then I'll definitely win it. <laughs> so annoying. My wife asked um, me later how the how the podcast go, Sam. How the predictions? I lost on a tiebreaker. Icelandic second division killed me. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Oh. I'll
0: never like. I'll never. I'll never like Fjolnir again. Um, I actually hate them now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who are right. their direct rivals? I don't. IBV. Know. <laughs> IBV <for me>. um, <laughs> This is quite <laughs> enough of this nonsense. We, we should get on to five by five, right? And this is what we do: it's, we pick five each from each of you know five teams from each of the top five leagues. We try and put them in order, and at the end of the season, we come back and have a look at them. This year, I've decided to try and be less hard. That's what I've. That's what I've come for that. You will Morehead. not manage that. But I won't manage it because it's me, sadly. I bet you haven't got,
2: yeah, uh, I can't wait, to be honest. Like, I, I can imagine how much effort and thought you've put into this in comparison to me.
0: Well, I was doing this and writing a poem. I I, I, I do carry this sometimes, I feel. Um, but on the, <laughs> on, on the back of that, I think we should probably start. And let's start in England, right? And as champion, Dean, you get to read out your top five first. Oh, oh
1: okay.
2: Um Man City are gonna win in the league.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um two is difficult, isn't it? Because it's it can be um obscured by how it looks right now, but we're still going to Liverpool. Okay. Three Man United.
3: oh excuse perfect.
2: me. Cool. Four Chelsea.
3: Five, Tottenham.
0: Okay. Arsenal oh, ain't making it. Good Arsenal Lord. It. Well, the
3: good news is Dean's poor record in the Premier League is set to continue. Arsenal are not making it.
0: Okay. Right. Sam, what are you going for?
3: City to win it. Liverpool in second. I agree with Dean. Same as Hustle. mine. Yep. <laughs> Tottenham in third. Yeah. Arsenal in fourth. Yeah. Chelsea in fifth.
0: Oh, mate, you've messed that up. Mine's oh, very similar to yours, Sam. Well, that I've got actually Man does so badly. Yeah, has, but it does work badly for you. I've mm. got Man City, Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal, but I've got Man United in sixth. Uh, in fifth, sorry. We did think about expanding this to six by six for twenty twenty two. Yeah, I, I, I'm putting Chelsea in six. That's my first big call. Um, well, I don't blame you. Yeah. big a call. To be they,
3: sure. Like I've got them outside the top. The top. Five for for sure i mean i don't look at chelsea right now i don't see a particularly happy looking club like a like a well functioning club and you you expect those teams over the course of 38 games to get the better of the others for the most part and what keeps them in contention of course is they have some incredible players call it squad quality tends to rule but i'm looking at i'm looking at the top five and six teams here and i'm looking at thomas tuchel as possibly the most likely manager to be sacked out of all six of them um, and I'm looking at this squad and the lack of harmony um, uh, as 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 one of the major weak points. So I still put them above United, who I just consider a complete wild card. I really don't know what to do with them, so I'm just going to leave them aside. Um, but yeah, Chelsea down in Chelsea down in fifth for me for sure and Tottenham and Arsenal rising above.
0: Yeah, I think we've seen good starts from, from both of them. Obviously, Arsenal top of the table, Spurs are unbeaten. It's it's hard to look past them at the moment. Now, Dean made a really good point on Monday that we were talking about Arsenal and the fact that last year after losses, especially after big losses, they had periods where, you know, they, they really dropped off. They were incredibly streaky. And the big question for Arteta now is if he can avoid that, right? If he, he, can, if he can avoid the, 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 the kind of failures that, that, that stopped them getting into the top four last season. Um, but I have a funny feeling he does. I, I think there's, they'll come in from centre midfielder in, in January and, and if they do that, the squad looks pretty strong, I think. Um, here's,
2: my, here's the problem, that I, and this is why I've got no faith in this team. They've just been through an unbelievable run pre-season and the first five games of this season, right? like That is as good as this team can possibly be. And the drop-off is now. Like that, they work, They can't. They can't maintain that. I just don't see how Arsenal Why? can maintain that with this level because they don't have the depth of the squad to maintain it. Because well, they're that not, well, they're not going s- to
3: continue in first for much longer, are they? That's for sure. And this is
2: the thing: they've been as good as they've been, right? And they are top of the league. Brilliant start. You can't. You literally can't fault it because they were five out of five. Yet after six games, they're one point ahead of Man City and Tottenham, and only three points ahead of Man United. Like that. And that's the Man United team that have not been that good so far, or well, certainly not for the first three games. And so that, that to me just tells you that Arsenal can't, well, obviously can't keep it up and they're not going to win the league. I just don't have faith in this team keeping up these levels because this was, they've got a really good 11. And I think that they've got big problems once you get beyond that. And I think we're already starting to see, once Arteta has to move pieces around that,
3: gaps open up so jack obviously you and i are higher on arsenal than dean but we're both higher on tottenham than arsenal um i thought i was being a bit bold there but obviously the two of us
0: i did originally us, I have agree. it i mean, the other I mean way dean around. also
3: has tottenham in fifth and arsenal in sixth. So we all we've all put tottenham above arsenal which goes against the sort of early early grain i guess why why do you think that tottenham outlast united Uh so why do you think tottenham
0: outlast arsenal because I, I think the fact that they haven't played well and are still where they are and unbeaten is, is probably a relatively good sign for Tottenham. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen the interviews uh, with someone like Kulisevski who was talking about Conte and he was just like, it's not fun. I'm not having a good time. I'm just, I'm here to win games and win trophies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I think that slight level of, of kind of drive might well just lead them to be a little bit more consistent. Mm. Like, you know, obviously in the last two weekends, I've gone to watch Arsenal play Fulham, at arsenal and tottenham play fulham at tottenham and both their games ended 2-1 but the the tottenham game could have been five or six and i think the arsenal game in some ways Fulham were were relatively unlucky. Now, Arsenal were the better side. I'm not debating that by any sort of stretch of the imagination. They were definitely the better side. Both teams were better than Fulham. Um, I just felt like Spurs were just far more in control of things um, and just able to kind of manage the game far better than Arsenal did, despite the fact that the results ended the same. Mm. Um, And and, and that at the moment is probably the difference to me. I think when I was going into these games, I probably felt that Tottenham were more gettable than Arsenal. But having watched both of them live in the flesh in the last week, um, there just feels to be like that level of control around Spurs, I think, that even if they're on the back foot, they know exactly how to punish you. And, and, and Arsenal pro- struggled with that this weekend against United, I thought.
3: Yeah, I, I, I was making my notes for this and I just put a couple of words down behind, beside each team, just as, as key things to, to justify it to myself. And next to Tottenham, I put Conte and depth. I think Tottenham have nailed the depth argument where Arsenal may have left themselves one or two short, as Dean said. I think Conte is one of the best managers in the world. And I look at the manager always when I'm deciding this sort mm-hmm. of thing.
0: Hundred yeah. yeah. percent, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's completely it. fair enough. Completely fair enough. Okay. I Was anyone um,
3: bold enough to go for Man United? eh?
2: top
0: four. Yeah, hundred percent. I think. I think. I think that's the gamble, DJ. It might well pay off. And it's I said, a
2: gamble, but like I, I just this is all gambles like, at this point, isn't it? I suppose
0: I think like uh, they, the City
2: top is not a gamble. It's true. They've beaten uh, they've beaten Liverpool and Arsenal just as they are starting to find the pattern that Ten Hag is going to want from this team. He's finding his, his feet. He's had, what, three months with this team, and but really only probably six weeks with the knowing what his team's actually going to be for the season, less if you count the facts that he didn't know if he was getting Anthony until the last minute. Um, and they're right there. And yeah. I, yeah. I just think that like the top four is very attainable. And after missing out last year, it's
0: so important to them and I think they'll get it. I just think, I, I think in terms of where United are at right now, I think they are actually going to have an element of that social reign about them still to begin with, at the very least, in that they're very good against big sides. I think they're going to actually struggle with the sides that sit in front of them and go, go on, then break us down. Um, now, I think that will get better over the course of the season as Ten Hag's patterns, et cetera, come into play. But to begin with, I just think there are points to be dropped. And the fact that you know it was, it was a very, very nervy 1-0 over, over Leicester and the one against Southampton the weekend before, I, I just can see them, I can see them getting getting a bit like frustrated by teams. And that's why yeah. I have them a little bit here. Whereas I think that Arsenal might struggle more against top sides, but I think they'll beat the people that they're supposed to be. And that might be the thing that kicks them above them.
3: Well, there's more obviously more games against teams you're supposed to beat if you're Arsenal, right. But significantly what like triple the number and for United, it's the converse argument. So I'm basically with you there, Jack. Uh, I think putting United in third is, is very, very bold, but considering I, I, I talked about them as the wild card, anything could happen. Yeah. It, I don't
1: it really think the is. competition
3: is that tough to get third. That's the, that's the thing. That's the ultimate
1: argument. I just think I that think everyone's about the same
0: it. level, yeah. <laughs> <I think therefore laughs> that it work third out spot anyway.
2: looks wide open right now and it could be any of those four teams, to be honest with you. Listen, it could even be Liverpool at this rate. Like, we've all probably gone way too high on Liverpool based on what we've seen before. We're just expecting Mo Salah not, well, to find his feet again and I'm a bit worried with Salah and the amount of the, how his positional sense has changed and how much time he's spending wide at the moment. Um, anybody who plays FPL is probably having panic attacks at the moment when they watch Salah because like, why are you nowhere near the box? Get inside a bit. You're not going <laughs> to score from there. Um, and uh, and you know what? He might. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> he's done it before. You know, Salah normally gets 20 goals. At the moment, he's got two,
0: so I'm counting on him getting those 18 goals. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and, and they'll get back up there. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right in that. We've we've not discussed the fact we all put Liverpool second, and right now that looks like a very looks bold a bit silly call. to be honest. But, yeah. but um, I think. You know, we, we, trust in, we trust in the traditions that we have and we trust in Jürgen Klopp to, to get something out of this squad. And we know that even in injury crises, he's managed to secure Champions League football.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, I wonder as everyone comes back will this side just find their form again and we'll, we'll see how it goes.
3: Well, Jack, you know what really tipped it for me?
0: The signing of Melo. You know what, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very oui. good. Uh, If you want Sam's thoughts on Melo, and you haven't already heard it, last week we did a podcast on the, after deadline day about the best uh, transfer of the window and also some we were a bit concerned about. Um, So that's on the main feed just before this one if you want to have a listen. Uh, With that, let's go over to Germany, shall we? And Dean, you're going to have the lead in all of these, so I'm going to let you start. Oh God, I've got to think of five German teams. (laughs)
2: Um, (laughs) Yeah, second division. (laughs) Okay, so bold first place. I'm going Bayern. Second, Dortmund. Third, I'll be Leipzig. Fourth, Union Berlin. Mm. And fifth, Freiburg.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad someone did. They're,
2: they're going to stay up there. They, they're not going to quite hit the heights they're at now, but um, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they can cling on to those top spots. There's nothing better than Dean's benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favourite things.
0: One of my favourite things. All right, can- Sam. My kind heart yeah there it is toxic dean's gone to rest for a week actually, it's actually yeah wait till melon later I've, yeah absolutely talk. um go on then sam
3: so yeah i've obviously got Bayern munich um top as well um i've got dortmund in second and i've got leipzig in third too i've put leverkusen in fourth and they've got some ground to make up but let's yeah. let's hope they can do it uh, for my sakes and for theirs and fifth i wanted to just pick not quite i wouldn't say rogue but I wanted to go a little bit further outside the box than usual. And I ended up going for Hoffenheim, which I'm happy to justify
0: in a moment. Wow, that is bold. Um, Okie dokie. I've gone the top, same top three. I mean, we've all got the same top three. We did this in Spain last year as well. Uh, I've gone Bayern, BBB, Leipzig. Uh, I've gone Borussia Mönchengladbach in fourth. Uh, Their start's been good. I've been impressed. And they don't have European football to contend with. And I've gone Union Berlin in fifth. Um, I was reticent to leave Freiburg out because I think they are absolutely brilliant under Christian Strike. But I just think with European football to contend with and the squad, uh, the the things he came out with after the weekend being like, yeah, our main aim is to stay in the division. um, (laughs) I think it's going to become a bit stretched in terms of quality. And the last time uh, Freiburg were in Europe, uh, they finished fifth. I think it must have been about... Eight seasons ago, um, they finished 14th the previous campaign. So I'm a little bit wary of that kind of European struggle having having an impact on Freiburg.
3: Yeah, I think this is massive. I think particularly for uh, like the sort of sixth, seventh, eighth, and, and ninth best German teams. You know, with the, the wealth disparity between the Premier League and, and most other leagues, but it feels particularly strong in in Germany. Um, how these teams cope with the midweek schedule is really, really tough. Now, obviously, they get four fewer games to play in the season in the league, which helps a little bit, but they still have to contend with quite a lot, uh, p- particularly when you know I see Union Berlin playing Thursday into Sunday. There's no real difference in terms of actual hours, but Thursday, Sunday always feels harder than Wednesday, Saturday, for some reason in my head. Um, Union Berlin had to buy about 15 players to prepare for this campaign. Uh, so they are stocked in terms of quantity, but I never really feel like I can trust teams that punch above their weight and get to that point to then follow it up and manage the European campaign, which is how I kind of ended up on Hoffenheim because they don't have to play any midweek games. And I wanted to pick one of the teams that, that weren't going to do that for fifth. I don't really like Daniel Farker, so I ruled out Gladbach and that left me with Hoffenheim. It really
0: is that scientific. Matt, wow. you, put, you put Hoffenheim and Leipzig in your top five. You're going to be an unpopular man, I tell you right now in Germany. <laughs> a Very, very unpopular man. Um, I do like this Gladbach side and I thought they were good at the weekend and probably should have won, uh, even though they did drop points. They've had a good start. And yeah, without European football, I fancy them to carry it on. So yeah, the thing with Union is that or well, Onion Berlin, as you famously refer to them, Sam, um, is that they <laughs> have obviously managed a European came last, uh, campaign last season yeah. and managed to hold on to the European spots. Um, and with the influx of players this year, as you mentioned, I have a feeling they might might be able to do that again. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah. So I, I
3: knew that you would think that and I knew that you would pick them. So I've decided to try and create my fantasy football differentials, Dean Jones. And I've left Union. It's a a risk, but I've left Union out.
0: Leipzig might be Leipzig might be a bold call here from all three of us. Now, look, we've obviously gone from the same top. Yeah, eleventh in the league. Dortmund and Leipzig, and and they got absolutely walloped at the weekend uh, by Eintracht. They lost 4-0. They didn't have a shot on target. They were desperate. And they got Dortmund this weekend. We've got Dortmund this weekend, and they've got a couple of European ties now, obviously midweek to deal with as well. You know, this is this is a bad start for Leipzig and, and, and they need to sort themselves mm. out relatively quickly if they are going to come third. <laughs> just like last year. <laughs> just like last year. Last year they had the addition of, of sacking a manager and replacing them. Tedesco seems to have the faith of the board. So it's going, be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens But their there. squad
2: is just so much stronger than most yeah. of the teams around them and like that will pay off. I mean, yeah. they've just got ridiculous players. Um, they've got Ankonku, they've got Soberslai, they've got Guardiola. Like they've got Werner now. Werner like that all four of those players could easily be in well the top two teams to be honest with you like I think Bayern and yeah. Dortmund would would look at all four of those players so I think that that tells you exactly why
3: they'll be on their coattail definitely yeah, yeah. squad quality is a huge is a huge uh Conrad Leimer like he stayed in the end like what's yes. the teams after him I mean really I'm the only one of the, of the three of us that has put Bayer Leverkusen in the top five. Now, obviously they've started horrifically, you know, four losses from five and they're out of the cup, which is just demoralizing. I get I totally get why why you've both left them out. But again, using the using the arbiter of squad quality, um, it's a similar it's a similar argument to RB Leipzig. Leipzig have just two more points than Leverkusen, and Leverkusen have at least the fourth best squad in this division. So I really am banking on squad quality there proving itself over the course of the season. In those two picks, for sure.
0: Yeah, I, no, I, I get what you're saying. I just think Leverkusen might have left themselves a lot to do. And the fact that they are you know, comp- competing in Europe as well is, is going to be tricky. <laughs> and um, famous
3: bottlers, yeah.
0: They are also famous bottlers. I've really had so much hope for Leverkusen this season. So much hope. And they just keep getting done. Like They, they fought back. <laughs> Obviously, they take the lead in this game. They go 2-1 down. Um, and, and then they and they fight back to two all, and you're thinking, all right, kick on now, kick on now. And then they could see it again. And it's like, oh, this team are weak. This team are weak. They they, they don't want it. They don't want it. They're me- they're mentally mentally not there. Um, but at least Callum Hudson-Doyle got an assist. So that's something, to, something for Leverkusen fans to hang on to. I hope I'm wrong on that one. I really hope that they, they do get back into this. Um, but I just think they might have left themselves a wee bit too much to do. Um, cool. Right. Let's shift onwards again. Let's go to Italy, where I think there's going to be the biggest variance of all in this entire five by five. Let's go, Dean.
2: Champions, just about again. AC Milan. We. Okay. Inter Milan. Yeah. Napoli. Yeah. Juventus. Yeah. Roma.
0: Okay. Dean leaves early league leaders Atalanta out of his top five. Sam, as do I. Number one, Inter just
3: <laughs> over Milan.
1: It's a coin flip, isn't it? Final day. It's Final a day. Coin flip.
3: Inter Milan win. Milan in second. Roma third. Just Ooh. lost four 0 Don't Fair. care. Inter just lost the derby to Milan, putting them above Milan. None of this makes sense. Juve in fourth. Results over performances. They always finished fourth. Now that's why they're in fourth. Napoli in fifth.
0: Okie dokie. <laughs> Here comes the Jack Collins hearts. Here,
3: heart Here we go. First, Udinese. First,
0: Napoli. First, Napoli. You did it. What? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You're such an idiot. Oh, what are you doing? Milan That's in second. Gonna... Inter in third. Roma in fourth. And Atalanta in fifth. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness.
2: You just never learn. What are you doing? Never learn.
0: I've got a feeling. No,
3: you haven't. You've got a bad oh, feeling. This is, this is not I right. I've like got a bad feeling. I can assure you.
2: I can absolutely right. assure you this is wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, considering none of us got five out of five last year on any league, I, I, I would agree with you that this is probably wrong. But no, I, you've left out Juventus and you've put Napoli top. Mate, I watched Juventus this weekend. It doesn't
2: they, matter, though. Don't worry about last cool. weekend. They
0: are dreadful. They are dreadful. They oh,
3: dreadful, yeah. They were dreadful, yeah. dreadful I last They'll year and year before. <laughs>
0: This year, the rest of the teams are better than they were in the last two years. So will Juve be once they get people back?
3: I'll tell you what: yeah, if Napoli once. if Napoli lose uh, Lorenzo and Senior, and they lose Caladu Kuli and a couple of other key men as well, Drews Mertens, Mertens, yeah, starting goalkeeper have to change there as well. If they if they win the league off the back of all of that, then Cavaradonna has had a Ballon d'Or <laughs> campaign. Kvalon <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be a Kvalon Door. I mean, yeah, that's basically what it has to be for this to be right.
0: Yeah, I'm backing <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. I'm backing, I'm backing the fact that the eventists are actually going to get found out for being rubbish, which is, which is, it's about time, to be perfectly honest with you, that you've found out for being. Awful. Um, I think Roma will scrape into the top four on the last day um, at the expense of Atalanta, who I think are going to have a better campaign than we thought and don't have European football to contend with. Nice. Big. Nice. But I think Atlanta have been excellent. Look, I I, I had major questions. We, You know, we can go back to our Serie A preview podcast. I was really concerned. I had major, major concerns over Atlanta. They started the season so well. They look really, really good. They look like they have, you know, variations in attack. They are not relying on the same old things. It's not just Malinowski scoring screamers from outside the box anymore, which is good because that's not a sustainable way of winning games, even if it is Malinowski. Um it just looks all a bit more comfortable for Atalanta. And I fancy them to to make a bit of a splash. I reckon they'll be within the top four you know, conversation right to the end of this campaign. But I think they'll just fall short.
3: Very good. Very good. I mean, they have had a really good start to the season. They were really good on Monday, weren't they? So, um, yeah, like it. Well, no, I don't like it. I hate it. But uh, like that you've um, done it because you'll be wrong.
0: There are yeah. only two things in this entire 15 where people have matched up. Sam and you and I have matched up on Milan coming second and Dean, you and Sam have matched up on Juve coming fourth. Every single other outcome is different. And that's what I said. That's what I thought. When the, I thought the variance was yeah, The thing with Serie a is that, you know, keep, I keep saying it. Everyone's fallible. Everyone's fun. Um, but it's, it, it just is a bit of, of a nut house at the moment, and, and it's not gonna, it doesn't feel like it's gonna change anytime soon, which is probably good for this kind of variance because it keeps it interesting.
2: Well, it's just so tight. I mean, Atalanta are top on 13 points, and at the moment, Inter uh, eighth with nine points, they're four points behind, but they're like seven positions behind, and that's that's what you get from this league at the moment. And you've got you know, at the moment, Udinese throwing their weight around in the top four and, and Torino have even managed to, to sneak in there after their early form so um, it's just a more unpredictable league and I think that it's one of the reasons it's become more entertaining than La Liga It's a bit, it's been for me still is actually I thought this this season actually La Liga was gonna find its mark again um, in the standings of European football but actually I still found myself every time given the choice to watch a La Liga game or Serie A I'm, I'm going for Serie A every single time still I just find the matchups are better the players are more fun there's more expression um, and yeah the the results you don't know which way the games are going so it's honestly I think it's the league to watch I really do like I've always picked the Premier League first but this is again the league behind it the only the team that are most boring to watch is Juventus but we've got to watch them all season unfortunately because it's our job
0: yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is. This is why I'm hoping they don't they don't get anywhere near it because it means that we have to watch them less. They, um, whoa, do you remember how far they were, how far off they fell last year. And that's that's what
2: I basically learned, like from ruling them out of anything. You just can't because they they'll find a way to just get enough consistency at times of the season that matter when other teams start to fall away, and that's how they claw their way back.
0: Yeah, no, I completely appreciate your point. And you I, know I,
2: that me and Sam are right. You just don't want it to be.
0: Well, yeah, but also a part of me is thinking maybe this is the time that's you know, generally they get their comeuppance for playing the world's most boring football. I just don't um, think it happens, but yeah. But, you know, so part of that is based in hope. Yeah, it is. I'd be lying if I said it isn't. And it's not anything to do with being anti-Juventus. It's just they're really dull. And I don't want teams that are really dull to do well. It makes mm. me sad. So, so I'm, 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 I'm banking on you know, feeling right about this towards the end of the season, feeling smug, but I appreciate that it remains a long shot. Um, So, yeah, but I mean, look, so yeah, still the the most exciting. I mean, Roma have, in all of ours, despite getting absolutely trounced uh, on the weekend, it was really quite ugly, to be perfectly honest with you. and, And they looked like they were lost and had no kind of direction. Is there any concern about this side or is it just a blip?
2: But Odinese did play really well. Like I, yeah. I, I appreciate like Roma. No one's
0: put Udinese in.
2: Why well, not good. No, but like they, they have had a not good start me. to the season and they did play really well. And I feel like obviously 4-0 is a really bad result. Um, Udinese now above Roma in the league. Um, but like Mourinho said, I said it on the other podcast the other day, like Mourinho was like, well, I'd rather lose 4-0 once than lose 1-0 four times. And it's that kind of mentality that means that he'll be in the mix. Like, you know, last season I... I didn't expect Mourinho to get through the season. I didn't think this was going to work out. Um, it has. It has been a good fit and it has um, brought um, a lot to the league as much as it's brought to Roma. And and because of what I've seen so far from Mourinho, the fact that they have a bit of X factor now about them
3: um, up front, I just fancy that they'll get in there. Yeah. How much do you want to read into one result over, you know, sort of four or five and, up until that point they'd been playing relatively well for the most part and they have not really had not been conceding open play goals or open play chances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the goals that they were conceding were was a Flavic wonder free kick and things like that. They were defensively they were absolutely brilliant until they just fell apart in that one game. Is that normal? Is that do you consider that something to be worried about or well, you'd have to think that that's a sign of things to come if you were worried about it? I don't think it's normal. I think it's an anomaly. Yeah, like T- Dybala, Pellegrini
2: and Tammy Abraham just don't feel that that can go that wrong for that enough yeah. times, yeah. you know, and that's what ultimately I look at when drawing up these kind of things.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's fair at the, at the very least. It's, it's something to, to hold on to for Roma fans. Um, and with that, and with the mad variants that we've seen in Italy, we're going to move to France. This is a See? load of nonsense, to be honest. I basically, hey, what do you put, mean? This is your, this is this your, this is, your is where you win. This is where you win. Do
3: you know why I win? Guess <laughs> no, I know what it is. Last year you got the betting odds out. You did. I yeah. did actually, yeah, that's
2: fair. I haven't done that this time. Um I've put PSG top because it's obviously the most predictable thing in the entirety of world football. And second, I've just gone for Marseille because they've managed to keep up with them so far. So fair play. Um they're but they're both right up there, first and second on joint points at the moment. So if they've managed to keep up with them to this point. And uh, the chances are they're going to come closest to them across the course of the season. So that's as much logic as there is. The rest of the top five, I have just randomly selected, and I've gone third, Leon, fourth, Monaco, fifth, Lille. Okay. Very little logic, logic involved in that selection process. Well, it worked for
0: you last year, um, exactly.
3: Right, Sam. Deeply concerned here, as my top five looks similar to Dean's. <laughs> um,
0: PSG first, Mar-
3: The reigning champ, <laughs> Dean Jones. <laughs> Not who is Dean Jones? The reigning champ, you Dean the, Jones. You got so the that's... win on you got the win on the technicality. Um, <laughs> PSG first, Marseille second, and then I've got Monaco three, on four. So just flipped Dean's three and four. Yeah, uh, and Lille fifth. So we match up on three, and our three and four is flipped. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that is that is a Told lot. you the league was nonsense. Um, I <laughs> have matched up with you on two of those things. Oh I've God. gone. Please tell me one of them's PSG top. One of them is PSG top. <laughs> yes. Um, I've gone Leon second ahead of Marseille. Um, it's easy to say that Marseille are joint level on, on points of PSG, but actually, Leo, Leon would be too if they had won the game in hand that got cancelled, which I think they will win, uh, and they've been very, very impressive. So I'm going to suggest that the slightly more stable club. Leon over Marseille. Do you know what Inter said for the, the whole of last here. season? Tips the balance here. You um, we'll just got um, win, think... we'll go win that game in hand. We've just got win that game in hand. Yes, it, <laughs> never is, did it is a bit. Never did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna go Leon, then Marseille. I'm gonna go Ren in fourth. Um I've been quietly impressed. I think they're better than their results are showing. Um and Lille in fifth. So we've all, all right Lille fifth a full we've house on PSG Lille. top. Yeah, full house full on PSG and year. a full house on Lille. And no, like to it. be fair, most of, the other, most of the other clubs are the same as well. The, in fact, the only change is I've gone Ren when both of you have Monaco in your top four. Yeah, um,
3: Monaco's form to start the season hasn't been good, but they're doing exactly the same thing they did last year, if you remember, which is they're kind of like uh, struggling their way through the opening kind of five, six, seven games because they have to play that really nervy Champions League qualifier and they have to do the midweek game in between, like game week one, two, and three, or whatever it is. Yeah. And they've mm-hmm. they've done the same thing as last time. They they've, they've lost it again. Um, so they've their league form has, has been hurt by the fact that they've rotated rotated their team and used their strongest team in midweeks didn't qualify for the Champions League and then also didn't pick up the points at the weekend because they were using the... And it set them back exactly the same as last year. They must be really, really annoyed. But what did they do at the end of last season? They won so many games in a row to close that gap. So I'm kind of backing them to do the same thing again because they have the quality and they have really strong depth, Monaco. I know they lost a key player in Shua but they've got some good players and they've bought some other good players as well. So I'm the highest on Monaco in third I would say by yeah, far, no, but Dean hasn't been fourth. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I think it's a fair thing, and I think that you know Yusuf Fana and uh, Amama Camera as a pet partnership is is really really exciting. Yeah. I watched them against Nice in the Derby de la Cote d'Azur this weekend, and it was one of the most uninspiring games I've ever watched. Both teams were just kind of crap. Now Monaco probably better value for the win, than that they eventually got, but it was a really poor game of football, I thought. And and actually, when you when you look at this and, and what they've kind of done so far, I, I'm just slightly concerned. I think they were a little bit lucky last year in some ways in that everyone else didn't really pull away from them in their really big, you know, bad start to the season. I actually think that a lot of teams are stronger. I think Lyon and Marseille in particular feel much more, you know, together this season. I know Marseille had a really good season on under Pauli, but the, the rest of the chasing pack, you know, that Lille side fell off last year. Wren was sort of there and thereabouts. They've, they've strengthened this summer, I think, um, across the course of it, obviously bring it in i mean i um i just think they'll probably just have the edge so i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna suggest that monaco might finish sixth um and that's why i've left them out here but i, I completely understand where you're coming from uh considering they're on the same points as ren and that's mm. what I've, what I've put him fourth but i just i, just I, I was feeling. tempted
3: i was tempted by leon in second as well by the way to, to, to push them all the way up into second i ended up putting him in fourth but i, I juggled these around a little bit bit impressed with leon i'd have to assume that that the quality they've lost over the summer will tell at some point. Um, And we have to remember again, that these seasons are very long and that's why I'm looking, looking at Monaco and thinking all about 2023 for Monaco and just, and just rebounding a little bit. So I've got my slightly longer, longer sighted gaze on it, I think,
0: which I've tried to learn from last season. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, And that takes us nicely onto our final fives, which are in Spain. And we go to you first, Dean Jones. I think I'm going to surprise you. I think I'm going to surprise
2: you. I'm going Barcelona one. Whoa, he's done it. Madrid two. Big decision that was. Um, that's very athletic. not you. That's very, very not me. And that's, that's, how, that's how bold that is. That, that is not my automatic uh, choice. Uh, three Atleti, four Athletic Club. Whew. And five Betis.
3: Okay. Sam. My God. I love that actually. Hey, lady. Now you, know? you made me smile. Um, and not because I think not because I'm mocking you. Um I have done the same thing with the top two. And I mm. did not expect to be sat here doing that. I actually I had Madrid. I had Madrid first and second, and if I show you my pad, yep. I scribbled I scribbled them out and changed them about half an hour before we became we came on to record. So I've got Barça in one and Madrid in two, and I'm as shocked as you are. Um, Betis in third I think they're the third best team in La Liga Uh, Atletico in fourth and Athletic Club in
0: fifth Ooh, very good Um, I have gone exactly the same as you in the top four, Sam Um, I've nailed it which means that none of us have put Real Madrid top which is which is wrong (laughs) which is wrong (laughs) it's it's clearly wrong they are defending champions of both Europe and Spain yeah, but me and Sam
2: literally both had them I was the other way around until late on in the day, too. Like, I just was swayed late. So,
0: I didn't. I've always had it this way. Of course, you have. But I was, temp- <laughs> I was tempted just there after hearing both of you read them out to change it because I think it's actually wrong that none of us have put Real Madrid first. I think it's genuinely incorrect so that we've all gone one way on this. Who was your and team? I know what I think will help? My fifth team are Villarreal, who um, I think are excellent. I haven't because so the goal yet. They, they're really good. They look really, really sharp this year under Emery, and I've been really, really impressed with them. I'm putting them in, in at fifth. Um, and, and to be honest, if Atleti don't back their ideas up, um, they might well finish fourth. But I, I just think Cholo will get it done. I started watching the, the Cholo documentary on, uh, on Amazon Prime, game by game, and it really is a, a big old insight into the window of that man's personality and character. It's, it's quite something. Um, but, yeah, I just think Atleti will probably edge over the line so yeah, I've gone Barcelona, Real Madrid, Betis, Atleti, Virial. Again, Atleti is that squad quality argument,
3: that, as as, as bad as they can appear sometimes. Mm. Um, they do obviously have some of the best players in the league. They appear to be saving Antoine Griezmann for the final stretch where he might be able to play some, start some games or whatever. There's always that potential that Joao Felix sparks into life, that Rodrigo de Paul could go and win the World Cup and come, come back on cloud nine and absolutely boss it. There's all sorts of things that can go right for Atleti, but... I'm pretty down on them. I've just got the words uninspiring next to them um, uh, in, in the notes. I think Betis are a better team, but Betis have significantly less depth, it feels like, than Atleti. So it does feel still like a gamble that Betis should be above Atleti in my list, but I'm going to hope that they have a relatively injury-free season and finish where they probably will end up deserving. And with Athletic, you know, I think Valverde is a fantastic coach. They've no midweeks. I'm very optimistic. I think they will win a lot of games to nil. And it will be a recipe for consistent success, and I think they're going to get back into the into the European spots. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting to see how this one pans out. I, I mean, I've, I've, we've got to come back to this top debate. <laughs> you know, you got to come back to the top table. It, why have you gone past the never Real Madrid, Sam? I don't, I don't know.
3: I I think it's because I had the word depth written all over my notepad so many times all reference to different clubs I came back to reassessing La Liga and the, the squad that Barcelona have assembled is absolutely absurd and Madrid's is too and you know initially I thought Madrid are champions until proven otherwise that was my that was my thought process going into it and then right at the last minute something has swayed me I don't know what it is is it that maybe you would expect Madrid to always just have an eye on that Champions League. Uh, you I know. for is, me, is, that, is was, that I don't know. I don't know what's working subliminally in my brain.
2: There's a few things. And like, definitely the Champions League should come into it because I think Madrid will expect to be in that Final Four. I don't think Barcelona can expect to get to that stage. I think if they do, then obviously they'll try to. But I don't think they will. Everything I hear is that that is not the priority this season. The priority... Is to get back to winning La Liga and build from there, and anything else is a massive bonus. And watching their performances the last couple of game weeks and the way that they are recording wins, I think it makes sense that that is the pathway that they take right now. And if they can knock Madrid off the top of the table and they can power home in La Liga, and then you build from there, and like who knows what they do in the next transfer window? I actually don't necessarily want Barcelona to have success over the way they've after the way they've gone about their business in this transfer window and the way they've managed to bulk up this squad. I don't really like it, but I can't argue with like the strength of this side that Xavi now has at his disposal. Um, you know, they spent this time trying to get out like Frankie de Jong and stuff. And it's like Frankie de Jong's an unbelievable footballer who is going to be really important over the course of a season actually might be playing in a, a role now that, suits him better than any other time he's been at Barcelona when he actually is getting proper game time. So I just think that like with the addition of Lewandowski, obviously they have somebody finally that can step in for the, the messy goals that were missing. Somebody that can go head to head with Benzema. If Benzema doesn't score for Real Madrid, if he suffers an injury at any point, slightly worried about who steps up there for Real Madrid. Lewandowski suffers a little while out. I'm not as worried about Barcelona coming up with backup goal power because I think that they've got so many different options across but the they've front they've lost line.
0: Martin Braithwaite now, so yeah, but it's, they've all, got this it's lad all gone called, Pete Tong. They've got this lad
2: called Ansu Fati who's having a comeback season this year. And I think it could be a pretty special one. Um, so, yeah, I just think that there are so many factors with Barcelona. And initially, like, your brain is like, it's Real Madrid. And then you're like, is it though? Is it? And I think that the more you analyse the actual football and the players involved, the more tempting it is to say, actually, this is Barcelona.
3: So we've done Not the same we thing. Do we've done the same thing. I've done exactly the same thing. And you can, exactly and you can tell. You can tell. It's like the, the the perceived logic in our brains prevailing because we're both pretty pissed off with how Barcelona have conducted themselves this summer. I am. Like I'm the same as you, like I don't hate them, but like, I don't really wish them success after the, the, the begging act. It feels like a
2: Real Madrid thing to do, to be honest. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I don't really necessarily wish them that much success after the begging act they put on this summer and the way that they, they conduct themselves in the market and the way they treated certain players. Like I'm not happy with that. I'm pretty sick of them, but I think they're going to win the league. uh, And that's really all they care about. And that's all, that's all that matters.
0: It is. Yeah, I mean, look. When you come ultimately in in Barcelona's defense, when you have a fan-owned model or a socios model, where you know you can't have big money investors from various places around the world, lots of whom we criticize on a regular basis, sometimes you have to do different things to make the money work. Now, just because it's uncomfortable slash it doesn't look right on paper, doesn't mean that's any worse than some of the sources that people other people are getting money from. I think it's probably worth pointing that out. That yes, Barcelona have taken a lot of criticism this, this year, and some of it rightly so. Right about the way that the players have been treated, et cetera, et cetera. Fine, but like when they come from a model which you know looks after the fans, which means the fans have ultimate control of this club instead of handing it over to to money from various sources, some of whom you know in, in football, as we know, are not the you know the cleanest in the world. And we're looking at it going, nah, can't do that. Can't sell some of your economic rights. I, I don't know. It just feels. I feels like there's a lot of hypocrisy had kicking around with Barcelona and in, in how people view what they've done this summer.
3: I don't. I don't know if if there's a if you can draw a line between the two. Like on on a lot of these counts, so the, the stuff that people get really upset about, I think is is pretty fair enough. Like the suggestion that they are suing Frankie. You know, that sort like because he won't leave.
0: That's, that. Does nothing came of this? Is it? that very quiet as soon as the window ended? So, yeah, because you know, the lawyers shockingly. are probably because
3: the lawyers are probably on it right now. Um, it. But it's, I'm very
0: surprised if Frankie gets sued by Barcelona while in a season where he's playing for them. Let's let's be let's have it right. I
3: mean, they've seemingly tried to do it while he was employed by them. So I don't know if it matters when the season kicks off. But I mean, yeah, like like the way the way Barca have conducted themselves in public this summer has been very embarrassing. Very embarrassing indeed, and like that it it has it has wound a lot of people up um look credit to them they have this incredible amount of like pull and respect in the in 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 the football world. People are desperate to play for them, even if they're trying to get Eric Garcia to come on an intern's free wage, you know get your travel paid, but you don't get a, you don't get a weekly salary, all that rubbish like fair enough, they managed to do it, they managed to survive, but it's not it's not it's not sat well with me over the course of 2022.
0: yeah. I just, I, I feel like there's, there's, there's various things that we talk about in football that are probably worse than Barcelona pulling some economic levers. Um, but, but here we are. We're in, we're, we're in different stages of, of that decision making process, and that's fine. Um, right. That concludes our five by five. Some. Well, some calls across the board, some variants, mostly in Serie A, as we expected. A bit of chaos at the bottom end uh, of the top five in, in England as well. So lots to look forward to this season. If you want to send us in your five by fives, you can do so uh, on Twitter, which uh, at rank squad, uh, and we'll have a look at all of them and, and see what we can, we can make. And, Feel free to fire in your arguments with all of the things we discussed as well, because I imagine there's a lot of people we've upset over the course of this 5x5. Uh, after the break, we have Mel of the Week and the Gibberish rankings. Stick with us one more time. Champions League football is back and streaming on Paramount Plus in the US. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration starts on September the 6th, with the biggest stars, top teams and craziest fan bases across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more in football's biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time and extra time and stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live exclusively on Paramount+. Welcome back to Rags FC, it's time for our third and final segment and it's time for everybody's favorite part of the week d jones who are you and over to you it's time for melon of the week this week's melon
2: of the week is steve pa- no i'm kidding <laughs> it's, no. <laughs> it's not it's not a lovely plot uh this week's melon of the week is chicharito um oh has to be, poor, has to old. Be. <laughs> poor old javier hernandez um look LA Galaxy fighting for a place in the playoffs at the moment in the MLS. And they had a chance to clinch a win over Sporting Kansas City with a very, very, very late uh, penalty in added time. And it was 2-2 at the time. Um, and Chicharito, to be fair, had already scored both goals for Galaxy in that game. Uh, his first was a really nice finish and his second was actually a brilliant penalty. Um, not been really good. But unfortunately for him, he suffered what can only be described as a brain fart in the run-up to his second penalty. Um, because... This is very unchitorito for me. Um, and as he ran up to complete his hat trick, he produced a penenka that was so unconvincing that it shows it must have been a last minute decision. Um, it was among the worst attempts of this skill you will ever see. Um, it was, well, it was so weak and tame. I mean, Jack would have caught it. It was, it was that easy. Um, I
0: probably would have dived. <laughs> he was been a diving kind of keeper.
2: Their keeper could not believe his luck. He just took a step to the side and caught it. Chicharito couldn't believe it either, to be honest. And he, he held his hands up and he looked around at the sky and the, the fans and he put his hands together as if to say, Sorry, I'm he so. He sort of sorry laughed as that. well, didn't he? A little bit. He, he it, always- was, it, was so, it was a laughable moment and he didn't. What else could he do? Like, it's ridiculous. It's so bad. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much the same reaction as when I saw the Steve Parrish stuff. Yeah, it's a similar kind of reaction. You're like, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. I'm just going to laugh because I don't know what I don't know what I can do about this. It's out of my control now. Yeah, it's a um, laugh in and disbelief,
3: and, wasn't it, from him? I
2: think. It was. It was. Yeah. And look, Chuterito. Afterwards, he says, "Look, I dared to take the shot, and the responsibility of not getting those two extra points falls on me. I accept it 100%. " Well, yeah, you do have to accept it. A victory would have seen Galaxy move within a point of the playoff places, and the draw means that. Uh, they, I think they have six games left now to get back in there. Now, the chances are it is this man that will actually end up firing them into the playoffs. So um, I'm not going to doubt his ability here. Like, he's still brilliant. Um, you know, to be honest, Man United could still do with having this bloke. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this isn't a toxic thing this week in terms of Melonish. It's just a proper, simple Melon of the week for a very, very good footballer, but someone who really, really fluffed
0: up. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was bad, wasn't it? It was bad. It's, it's like you could just see it in his face. He's like, oh, God, I'm going to have to face yeah. this, aren't I? Yeah. Nah. Do you know what?
2: I, I thought I, I already had this um, ready to give to another player in MLS. It was Drew Yearwood. Do you see what he did? No. no. The Red Bulls. He smashed a ball into a
0: fan's face. Oh yeah, I did see that. It was, <laughs> and then he went. <laughs> I watched this last night actually. I, didn't, I I didn't see that. I didn't know what his name was, but I watched him go and give them like be like, "I'm really sorry," and like like spend like five minutes trying to basically console the fan. Well, he went over. The thing was that he went over to try and say sorry to the fans
2: he'd smashed a ball in the face of in anger basically, and they wouldn't actually even let him apologise. There was just one fan who stood like, "Don't come near us. Don't come near us." And it was like You're probably it was, worried it
3: might happen again. <laughs> scared for their own safety i felt
2: sorry i uh in the end i was
0: like nah chicharito beats this guy this is this is Milanish. yeah very good very good okay that indeed is the gibberish zone, which seems to get shorter every week these days uh, over to you sam well on the back of
3: uh a historically bad weekend for refereeing we've done extremely well all podcasts not to mention it but i'm going to go ahead and ruin that perfect clean sheet Ooh. right now um on the back of such actions, on the back of uh, our refereeing body, essentially admitting to major, major mistakes this weekend in the Premier League, which is very, very rare. They they don't really accept liability, but this time it was so egregious and so bad, they had no choice. It's time to look at ways to improve refereeing standards. So I've put together a little top three. Uh, Number three, I believe as part of the referee's training protocol, they should have to play one season in goal at Sunday league level. This is because referees don't appear to know how to officiate on goalkeepers at all. It's been a consistent problem, hasn't it? They're either mm. overprotected or underprotected, or they get stuff wrong. The aerial jewels, people can claim clean clean headers, win clean headers out of the air, knock the goalkeeper ever so slightly, ball against. The Edward Mendy thing at West Ham was an absolute joke. This is the sort of thing that's, that's, that really made me remember that referees and goalkeepers it's just never really been a particularly cohesive match has it maybe if we made them all play in goal they'd get it a bit better
0: yeah okay all right i can i can accept it i mean what i'd want to know is which sunday league team is taking one of these people who clearly isn't a, a goalkeeper be I mean, like sunday league goals are gonna go through the roof everyone's gonna be scoring like 50 goals a season because mm. it's just one of those you just like shoot from anywhere lads
3: yeah, it's part of my directive to improve Sunday league attendances. It's a nice byproduct. Um, no, I mean obviously you'd have to find the appropriate level. It would be tough, but uh, I wonder if maybe playing in goal is the way to make them realise how they should be officiating them. At uh, number two, I'd like to introduce a "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire" style phone a friend for referees. Um, specifically, I think they should be able to ref, uh, they should be able to phone Dale Johnson, journalist from ESPN, who seems to know much more about refereeing than any referee. If you look at his Twitter of our, of our threads on a Monday. He seems
0: to know more about refereeing than almost anyone on earth.
3: Yeah, he's be- definitely better at, at knowing the rules and officiating than any referee I've ever seen. So either Dale gets on there and and, and, he, and he officiates all 10 games in a weekend, which sadly is impossible, or he sits in his own little room with a phone and he helps them out because they
0: need the help, don't they? Wait, so you're and- just suggesting he just goes to Stockley Park?
3: or bring stockley park to him
0: that is true that is true Make Doesn't have to neon. go there
3: he just needs a phone and 10 tv screens that's it that's yeah, all he needs is he is our savior
0: okay all right right what's number one
3: well number one is actually relatively serious it's dean's suggestion from monday's postbox i wanted to give him some credit and for those that haven't heard because obviously it's only for patrons only on the monday dean was talking yesterday or monday about never how heard of him mate who is he heard Oh, yeah. Who is he? Who is Dean Jones? Dean Jones, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, was talking about having a clear-headed former professional footballer sit in the VAR room and try to help the refs make a call that lie within. Dean, how did you put it? Maybe the spirit of the game? Yeah, I think it's pretty much that, yeah. 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 Do, care to elaborate, please? And give us your suggestions for footballers who can help. I
0: thought this
1: was your yeah. gibberish. <laughs>
2: yeah i just think that you need somebody with a clear understanding of the emotions that are involved in football and also like the the aspects of the game that are uncontrollable but are sometimes actually okay and i think that by the only way you could actually bring that in is to have former footballers who have been in those moments themselves and have an understanding of the people on that pitch in that moment what they would expect to be given as a penalty or to not be given as a penalty and I I use Matt Upson as one example of someone who I think is a very clear-headed and very good um, analyst at the moment of the game I think um, you know he's played at the very highest level in terms of international and in the Premier League and he has a very very um, good reading of the game, especially you know, as a as a defender, I think that that's very important too. And I'd I'd probably like I can't, who was the other name I suggested on the Patreon? I can't remember who who was the other name we put forward. I sure. said that we should
0: have Dim, Dimitar Berbatov. You oh did. yeah, and, I, and
2: you did say Berbatov. And I don't know that Berbatov's necessarily the right guy, but I do think you need to to kind of reflect it with someone who's more of an attack mind. So yeah. that you might have someone with ups and who's a defender, and then you probably have someone who's played, I don't know if it's Alan Shearer, but somebody of that level who's like been involved in the Premier League throughout its entirety, Give seen it, it grow, yeah. seen it change. Mm. Um, Wright would be too emotional. That's the that's thing. That's why that's I what, like that's, him. That's, that's why he should not be in the <laughs> VAR room. <laughs> so you need somebody who's, as I said, a clear-headed understands what it means in that moment, but also can take a step back and understand like what the referee next to them is telling them about the rules. That is exactly how you rescue this situation. And it would also help the players on the pitch respect the decision-making that's going on. Also, they need to speak about it afterwards. Like, And you could put Ooh, these forward. No, see, I
0: disagree with this. No, because these oh, footballers, oh, the these footballers, footballers sorry, would be the, the people yeah, that fine.
2: then become the voice pieces because they have been brought up within the media's... Um, Circuit and they, they understand how to um, explain these situations. They are the guys that would then go on to whichever station it is, um, and explain the situation if they had to, not all the time, but if there was a really, uh, if there was a really confusing one like West Ham at the weekend, then those are the guys that part of their job is to explain it. Listen in America, you wouldn't stand for this you would not, you would, this would be complete. What went on in the Premier League this weekend would be completely unacceptable in all the sports that they have over there. And people will be like, this is ridiculous. You need to come out and explain to us what on earth is going on because you're actually ruining our sport and you're ruining the way that we watch it. Um, Mm. And I think that
0: the Premier League is heading that way because I've, i haven't well howard webb's coming back isn't he from from implementing things well he's the man who's implemented technology stateside and it's worked in mls yeah and so he's coming back to basically bring that and be like right it's 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 still a
2: referee it's still a referee but
0: there's an element here of it works fine okay champions league it works fine in in the it worked fine in the euros this summer you know we've seen it be be useful at you know, at, at higher I levels than the yeah. Premier League, it's just it's one of those that's been implemented so poorly. They just and got I think it so wrong. Yeah, also,
3: a, I know it is a referee, Dean, but Howard Webb was our best referee by an no, absolute. He was, yeah, I was a bit harsh with that reaction. No, getting, getting, getting him back is only a good thing because he was, he yeah, was yeah, one yeah. of the good ones. Um, so but he can't yeah. do it on his own, can he? he?
2: No, well, he's, he's, he's going
0: to become head of the Pug Mole, isn't
3: he? Yeah, I mean, to a
2: clone <laughs> yeah, guy. That's that was more my point. It's like, well, he can't solve this on his own, and also, like, MLS isn't the Premier League. And that—that's the other thing. Like, it's—it's it's difficult to com- to compare. Like, how far mm. the Premier League needs to come. Like, yeah, the, don't get me wrong, the officiating in MLS is is better, and their reviews and stuff are better. But um, I don't know how we get that into the minds of all these people that have been already involved in VAR for so long, making these ridiculously tight calls and saying like this is clear cut
3: when it's not we need a clone clone machine don't we We and also that futurama technology where you get like a head in a jar um (laughs) yeah so that when when howard webb does sadly pass away one day um we can just we can make him immortal um and he can just preside over our game forever and ever amen so yeah yeah. listen i've got a big network of people i work with across football (laughs)
0: Um, (laughs) have you got anyone in mo5 that can help no, I yeah. Can we just get can we get Mimir in? You know, you I'll call know, on Norse some of the mythology laughs. fella who was just like a, he was Odin's advisor. He used to carry him around as a little head and used to speak to him. I think he turns up in God of War. Sam, you remember him from that yeah. little head you carry around to, to help you out. Um, if Mimir could come in and, and help us out, the smartest man alive, um, then that would be that would see be what
3: cool. I can do. Yeah, so there you go. Put the refs in goal. Let them phone Dale Johnson from ESPN and clone Howard Webb and put his head in the jar. 30. Right. Fixed. Okay. Yeah.
0: There we go. Sorted out. Thanks. Thanks for that, Sam. That was uh, fantastic as always. Uh, and on that bombshell, we are going to call things a day. And we hope you have enjoyed five by five today. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. It always is a lot of fun talking through these things. There have been spills, thrills and variants according to, according to different people in this podcast, on this, on this chat right now. And um, we will see come the end of the season, who's right and who's wrong defending champions. Dean Jones, uh, who, whoever he is, um, will we'll look, we'll <laughs> look to retain his crown. So there's that to be said. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to Mr. Sam Tyler-Rancourt.
3: I am fuming about that tiebreaker, by the way. Okay. That way
0: you've not heard the end of this. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. Uh, thank you very much to Mr. Dean Jones. Uh, just to remind us who you are. Uh, forgotten. Uh, oh, Dean Jones, that's right. Yeah, Dean Jones, yeah. Thanks, DJ. i am Jack <laughs> Collins. This has been Ranks FC. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We'll be back, of course, next week. For now, though, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all the football across Europe this week. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. Peace. Seriously, who is Dean Jones? Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business is commerce platform,